as I was preparing for this message, you know, last week we were in uh, Lake Charles, and I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you even before we went to Lake Charles. So let me give you kind of just a couple of, of introductions to Lake Charles. Here's the picture of us in front of the sign. So 32 new lifers went to Lake Charles, Louisiana last week to Mount Olive Baptist Church. Mount Olive Baptist Church three years ago was Boulevard Baptist Church. It was a very wealthy white church. Boulevard Baptist Church is no longer in existence. They were in existence about 80 years. They're no longer in existence. They were down to about 15 members. And uh, three years ago, two and a half years ago, they decided to sell their church building. It's a massive facility. There in the background is the worship center, but it was destroyed in the hurricane, so they're not meeting in there yet. Uh, So Boulevard Baptist sold to the Baptist Association. Pastor Harris, who's the pastor of Mount Olive Baptist Church, they were thinking about building a building. Anyway, long story, but they ended up buying this church. And so last week, when we're sitting in worship service, it was... Mount Olive Baptist Church 81st anniversary. It was Pastor Harris's 10th anniversary as the pastor of that church. So it was a celebration. We had a guest speaker. We had a guest worship team. It was incredible. And um, Pastor Harris gets up at the end and he says he was reading the deeds. This is, this is what really impacted us. He said he was reading through the deeds and there was a deed from 1939 that said Boulevard Baptist Church cannot be sold to or given to a black church. And he was just weeping. And then people on our team, we were just weeping. And he said, it's not an accident that on our 81st anniversary, blacks and, I'm getting chill bumps, blacks and whites are praising the Lord together. And everybody got on their feet and we're just clapping, we're praising Jesus that, that the body of Christ, at least sometimes, has figured this out. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Jesus created us all. From one man and woman came everybody on this planet. He doesn't make mistakes, and so it was incredible. So anyway, one of the things that I wanted to put out to you is we're going to go back. We don't know when. We might go back twice in the next year, but I need to know from you guys if you can go. So one date I'm looking at is December 17th. That'd be a Friday through uh, the 21st, we'd come back on a Tuesday. If people can't go, that's fine. I told the Lord I need to know. If, if people can go, awesome, we'll go. If not enough people can go, we won't go then. We'll go for sure then um, spring break, and we'll stay in the facility and we'll work. So we had three different projects. Here's just a little taste of one of the chainsaw gangs. Um, go ahead. their favorite thing is at this location every day the lady would come out and give them uh, popsicles we didn't get any popsicles at our place did we robert um we just sweated so it was it was just crazy hot and and we did work in the name of the lord and the the thing that's crazy to me is you know two hurricanes um flooding all this stuff has happened to them in 14 months and and most 
well, I won't say most, there's a lot of houses. That everywhere we would go in the neighborhood around the town, there's still houses with tarps, blue tarps. on. That's their, their roof. And so uh, we want to go back, and we, we need to know who, who's willing to go back with us. And where, where I was serving, we were, we were supposed to put in some sheetrock. We did very little sheetrock, did a lot of electrical, ripped up flooring because the floor was, it was so bad, Robert actually fell through while he's pulling the floor up. It was rotted out so badly. And so uh, it was just a blessing to go and to serve. And so um, we, uh, we want to encourage you. Now, one of the things we do every day is we have a devotional. And so that, I'm real big on that. And, and so we learned a verse uh, this week, and it's Ephesians 4.29. And, and we actually had somebody act it out in order to um, get double sodas and double candy. And here, here it is. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Yeah, we have fun I just want to stop and pray for Mount Olive Baptist Church and Lake Charles. Can we do that? Father, we, uh, we know that our work wasn't even the tip of the iceberg, but you didn't call us to, to change all of Lake Charles in, in three work days. You told us to do what we were supposed to do. And so we went down and we, we served you and we planted seeds and we pray that you water those seeds and that people come into the kingdom of Christ. Not just because New Life went down there, but because there's a church named Mount Olive Baptist Church who wants to go out into the community, who has a daycare, who has a tutoring service, who has uh, food distribution, um, very similar to some of the things we do, God. And, and we pray that you bless this morning right now as they're worshiping. As Pastor Harris is standing up to preach, God, would you anoint that man and give him a vision for Lake Charles? And would you expand their territory so that every time we go back, we see more and more people in the kingdom of God through what you're doing at Mount Olive Baptist Church. And God, you're calling us to go back, show us when, show us who, and show us how to pay for all of that, Lord. And we're just going to go in faith that you're going to do something bigger than we could even imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm, I'm studying this week, and I come across this verse. This is actually my memory verse right now, and it's 1 Corinthians 6, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. And it starts out with these words, don't you know? And, and it hit me as I was studying this, anytime in scripture that a writer, uh, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit starts with these words, don't you know? It means this, you don't know. Because if you knew, you wouldn't be acting the way you're acting. It's obvious you don't know. But he's going to be nicer than that. He's going to say, don't you know? Go ahead, put the verse up there. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Let me just stop right here. We're going to read in just a minute 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, which says you individually, if you're a Christ follower, you're the temple of God's spirit. So individuals are called God's temple. But here he's talking about the church. He says, don't you know? No, you don't know because you wouldn't act like this if you knew. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And here it is. God's spirit dwells in your midst. That's when we're together. 
So there were 32 of us in Lake Charles last week. The Holy Spirit was in our midst. I believe the Holy Spirit was here in your midst because when you come together and honor God with your voices, with your, with your presence here, God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Now here's the scary part. If anyone destroys God's temple, the church, look what it says. God will do what? Destroy that person. God takes it personally when you do anything that gives the enemy access to your life so that you destroy the local church. God says, you're on the wrong side and I will destroy you before I allow you to destroy my church. And I don't know, I don't know what happened to Boulevard Baptist Church, but if you Google right now, I did it this morning. Boulevard Baptist Church still comes up at 3007 Enterprise Boulevard, Lake Charles. They're not there. It's Mount Olive Baptist Church now. I have a suspicion one of two things happened. Either they started focusing inward and they no longer did what they were supposed to do as a church. I forgot what the other one was. Two things that just hit me just then. Oh, or, or they allowed gossip to come in. Come on, demon, come, come speak through me and destroy God's temple. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is what? Sacred. That means holy. That means set apart. Don't you do anything that will destroy God's church. And then he says, and you together, say together. You together are that temple. You are the church. Be very, very careful what comes out of your mouth. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only, this is how we did it every morning. What is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit their needs. Oh, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who, listen, thank you. I get worked up on my actions. I forget the words. Well, here, let let me show you. So this is talking about God's temple, the church. And let me show you what it talks about the individual if you're a follower of Christ. So three chapters later, Paul says, do you not know, which means you don't know, because if you knew, you wouldn't be acting like this. Do you not know? You do not know. Go ahead. Go ahead. There we go. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You've got to be careful where you take your body if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So this is the individual. Together, we're the church. Don't you destroy the God's church. Individually, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you go anywhere. Don't you do anything. Don't you say anything that dishonors this body because the Holy Spirit of God lives in believers. Tony Evans said this. I just finished his book on warfare. It's one of the books I read getting ready for our next series. He says, the central theme of the Bible is the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. When you don't have that theme, the stories, uh, the Bible becomes disconnected stories that are great for inspiration but seem to be unrelated in purpose and direction. The purpose of the church, the purpose of us coming together, is the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. The purpose in us going to Lake Charles, the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. The purpose of any ministry of our church, the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. And if your ministry is not about the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom, your ministry needs to stop or it needs to be revived in the name of Jesus Christ for God's glory and the advancement of his kingdom. 
See, Hebrews 10.25 tells us some people have gotten out of the, what's that word that's highlighted? Habit of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Anybody, anybody unclear that we're closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday? Anyone unclear on that? Okay. We're supposed to, God expects us to be in the habit of meeting for worship. That's on your listening guides today. He expects us to be. And I'm just curious. You heard me talk about this before. Jerry mentioned something about this to me one day. Define a habit for me. How many times a month should you be going to church if if we're going to say you're in the habit of going to church? I'm just curious. Four times a month? At least four. At least four, Mike says. Yeah, thank you, Michael. What What if you come two out of four? Are you in the habit? What if you come one out of four? What if you come one out of six months, one Sunday out of six months? Are you in the habit? No. My job, according to Scripture, is to lead and to feed. You remember when Peter had, had, had uh, denied Jesus three times when Jesus r- rose from the dead and he comes and meets them, he restores Peter. And one of the things he says to Peter is, feed my sheep. Our goal at New Life, we want to have a well-fed church through weekly, biblically accurate teaching that promotes the glory of God and the advancement of His kingdom. So, I was thinking about this, and I, and, and I want to give you, I want to help you understand why we do what we do. So, so let me just ask you this. I'm going to put a picture, I'm going to have Nate put a picture up there in just a second. And I want you to tell me what comes to mind just when you see this picture, alright? Go ahead. Quarter Centenary Edition. I had to work on that. I had to practice that. An exact, what does it say? Reprint in the Roman type, page for page and line for line of the King James Version. (laughs) Printed in 1611. Now, if you're, pretend for a minute, if you're a non-Christian and you see this, what do you think? Give me some words you think. What? What? Hard to read. Somebody else? Run. Somebody said run. Did you say that, Sherry? Oh, okay. I thought he just amen the 1611 version of the King James, and you said run. Okay. Somebody else behind you. Anything else? Old. Here are, I want to give you a list of words that, that I read about one church. They, they're describing themselves, right? Here's what they say. Traditional. Now, there's nothing wrong with tradition if, listen to me, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Do you understand the difference? Traditionalism is I'm just doing something I have no idea why. My mama did it that way. My grandma did it that way. I'm going to do it that way. Why? I don't know. That's traditionalism. It's the dead faith of the living. Traditional, reverent, best loved hymns, and then this is my favorite. King James only preached for over 65 years. So my question is, which King James? Because the first one was 1611, then the next one was 1629, the next revision, the next one was 1638, the next one was 1760, the next one was 1769. Which one of those? Now, now the King James Bible itself, that's not the issue, right? It's a very accurate translation, but is it in our language? No, it's in language from 
500 years ago. So when we're talking about, okay, all all I'm saying, my parents went to a church like this. My dad, when he would come to our church, he would sit back there in the crying baby's room because he could turn the music down. That music too dang loud. (laughs) I love you, Daddy, but my church wasn't built for you. Daddy, Mom and Dad's church maybe has a dozen people left. but We've been preaching to King James. We're going to die preaching to King James. It's not the King James the problem. If you're on the outside looking in, does, does this type of church say service or serve us? Which one? Serve us. You better do it my way, preacher. I was here before you came. I've heard this said. Not here because none of you was here before me. <laughs> Till I die, you can't say that to a pastor. I was here before you came, preacher, and I'll be here after you leave. You may be here after I leave, but you weren't here before I came because we started this church. Janie and I did. And we don't want our church to ever be a serve us church. How many of you have been part of a serve us church? Is it a thriving church? Or is it a dying church? Okay, if if you were to see this next picture, go ahead. If you were a teenager and you had the first Bible or this Bible, which one are you going to read? Why? Because it's pink. It says student Bible, so what would you expect them? Who are they trying to reach? Students, okay. How about this next image? Y'all know what this is from? This is version Kids Bible. Yesterday, um, so when, when Waylon gets up, you know, he, he comes in and he sneaks up on me every day and, and he, he sits in my lap and, and I'm usually reading my Bible when he comes in and, and at some point he'll go, we forgot to read the Bible. So yesterday, I was actually having to go to Jacksonville. I had to get up a, a lift. We had to take down my, my carport because we're getting a new carport. Anyway, long story. So I ran out of the house and went. And when I came back, Waylon's waiting on me. He goes, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to read my Bible. And so we read the Bible. And what's cool is there's different things. It's really funny. So you can pu- push things, and, and they do little animation. They don't talk. They go, huh? And so the, the, what's funny to me is the religious guys, they're always going, how, 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 how. And I'm like, dude, that's exactly how I remember them growing up in the Baptist church. How, 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 how. I'm like, wow, it's so accurate. And there's little Bible gems, and he gets so excited. He sees a little diamond. He goes, a gem. He doesn't even know what it means. I got a gem. And then there's also, you know, these little clouds. He just loves it. Pop up, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to read my Bible. Why is he so excited about the Bible? It was written for him. How many churches do you know that are, that are actively seeking people who are far from God? Are they doing the service or serve us? See, too many churches are the serve us mentality. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And, and you'd think, you would think, okay, as much Bible study as some churches do, you'd think, man, they are mature and they're reaching lots of, of hell-bound, cocaine-snorting, skirt-chasing, lost people. But is that, what ha- is that what's happening? In fact, one time I said, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be a church that goes after skirt-chasing, cocaine-snorting, lost people. And, and I'm not making this up. He's told us his story. We actually have it on video. He said he was sitting right back there about where Michael and, and uh, Katie are. And, and he said he turned to his friend and he goes, how'd, we know, how'd they know we were coming? I was like, yes. 
the enemy is sneaky and he sneaks in and what he does is he causes us to focus on things that aren't important. He causes us to compare, well, our pastor does this, and your pastor does this, and, and our Bible studies this, and our Bible studies this, and your Bible studies this, and your Bible studies that. Can I tell you that, that there are times I really do want to vomit on people? I need more Bible teaching. No, you don't. You need to be radically obedient to what you already know about the Bible. You become radically obedient to what you already know, and your Heavenly Father will teach you more and more. So just think about this. What percentage of the Bible do you obey? You don't have to say this out loud. If you're on Facebook, I, would, I wouldn't write down anything right now. What percentage are you obeying? And if it's less than 100%, you the problem. It's not the pastor, not the backup pastor. It's not even which version of the Bible we use. Is that Christ followers aren't following. And here's what happens when we study, when we study, 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 and never obey. Bible tells us what happens. 1 Corinthians 8 1, knowledge makes us proud of ourselves while love makes us helpful to others. And so I just shortened that. It's on your listening guide. Knowledge makes us proud, love makes us helpful. We got a lot of people know a lot of scripture, never helped anybody. Knowledge makes us proud. Love makes us helpful. Knowledge can be a weapon to fight with or a tool to build with depending on how it's used. The NIV says the same verse. It says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. If you ever are like, oh, well, this is what I know. If you get on, on social media and people do this all the time and, and you proclaim what you know only to show what you know and not to glorify God and advance his kingdom, you're wrong. And your knowledge has puffed you up. And you are not building your tearing down. It all has to do with attitude. So if you've been around here any amount of time, we're about to show you a picture. You're going to know what this picture means. Or you're going to know what it is. So I'm going to ask you what it is. Some of you are going to get it wrong because you didn't know. It's all right. You just didn't know. Some of you have been around a long time. You should know what we call this chair. Go ahead. What is this called? Oh, you got it. It's not a high chair. It's the eye chair. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Ah! Hey, preacher, I need more of this. You should do this. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says the pastor was given to the church to equip the church to serve. My job is to lead and to feed. And what, what these people want, the eye chair people want, lost people can go to hell. We don't care. As long as you feed me, as long as we go deeper. And I'm, <laughs> I've had at least two men... One in the other building. No, actually, they were both in this building. Tell me, I don't care about lost people. And I'm like, I'm going to step back from you because your Heavenly Father cares about them. And if you destroy God's temple, He's going to destroy you. If you don't care about lost people, this is not the church for you. If you don't care about people who are far from God, this is not the church from you, for you. You see... Spiritual maturity is not about me at all. It's about other people. I need to be serving. We'll love the eye chair people, but if you're an eye chair person, you will never be in leadership in this church because you'll destroy God's temple. And I don't want to face God for that. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. So we're going to love them, but you can't, you can't be in leadership. It's not the way God does. Every time you remember his disciples, 12 that he chose, they would say, who's the greatest? 
I'm better than you. I'm better than you. And Jesus would call them again. He goes, guys, in God's kingdom, it's not that way. Yes, that's what you see everywhere else. But in God's kingdom, it's not that way. It's a spiritual deal. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Jesus, the son of God, the king of kings, said, I didn't come to serve, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And that is what it means to be a mature follower of Christ. I came to serve and to pour out my life for other people. If you've been fed from God's word, it's time to push back from the table and serve. We have openings in the children's ministry and youth area, small groups, child care, guest services, food ministry. Food ministry is where we feed people after funerals or after sickness, uh, things like that. Um, and, and what you need to know is one of the goals of New Life is to have a well-fed congregation through, through a teaching that, that glorifies God and advances his kingdom. Food is the word of God, and I'm the dude with the food most of the time. Casey was the dude with the food last week. He taught you last week. Um, food is the word of God, and the more time I spend, or Casey's, it's like this. I don't think you realize this. When, when Janie cooks for Thanksgiving or Christmas Day, she spends hours cooking, and it shows. That food is good, and we eat on that for like days. Sometimes I'll have a chicken leg, because we don't have turkey. We do, we do fried chicken legs on, on Thanksgiving Day, and I'll have chicken leg for breakfast. I'll have chicken leg. It is so good, because she spent time. She spent hours. The more I spend in preparation, the better the food's going to be, right? Do you get that? When I'm feeding you the Word of God, when Casey feeds you, the more time we spend, the minimum amount of time I usually spend on a sermon is 10 hours a week. Sometimes it's 15, sometimes it's 20. It just depends on what God's doing that week teaching me. And, and, and I get it. When, when people don't eat what Jesus... What Jesus? What, same thing. Janie, Jesus. Um, when people don't eat what Janie prepares, it doesn't make her feel real good, right? So it's frustrating to spend hours and, and pray and ask God to, to give you words and then nobody, nobody eats. So I'm just declaring this, right? Declaring this. New Life Community Church, this is, this is our purpose statement. We exist to reach people who are far from God. We want to help them connect with God and with other people. We want to feed and build believers. We want to do the same thing Jesus did. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. A seeker is someone who's not a Christian yet. And a healthy church will focus on feeding believers, building them up. But the believers then have to be taking the bread of life outside the walls and looking for lost people. We talked about this two weeks ago. My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. If mature Christ followers are doing what they should be doing... They're eating, they're feeding from the Word of God, and then they're pushing back from the table, and they're serving. And, and the best way, in fact, the only way I know for you to, um, to not be puffed up with knowledge as you learn more and more about the Bible is you've got to rub elbows with people who are far from God. Now, that shouldn't be your only circle of influence, but you should have some people because they will challenge you. I've got a friend, man, he challenges me. He'll say, well, what about this, and what about this? And we have these long discussions, but he's not a believer in Christ. If I get knowledge and I never serve, it becomes very easy for me to look down on others and say, I know this, you don't know this. We're not going to legislate, and this is where the United States is totally screwed up. You can't legislate people into being moral. You can't legislate heart change. Only God can do that. You have to love people into life change. And if you're going to love them into life change, it's going to cost you something. And this is one of my favorite stories. I think this is the third time in 20 years 
at New Life that I've shared this story, but, but it illustrates what I, I want to say. A Christian writer was in Hawaii one time. He's from the East Coast, so he was on East Coast time, and he would wake up at like 3 a.m. every morning. So he went to the diner, and he was having a cup of coffee. While he was there, a group of women came in and sat down next to him, and it was really obvious their profession. They were prostitutes, and there were eight or nine of them there. As they were talking, one of them mentioned it was their birthday the next day, and the other one kind of scoffed, like, what do you want me to do, have a party for you or something? It was a woman named Agnes, and Agnes said, no, I don't expect that. No one has ever thrown a birthday party for me. They all left. So this Christian writer is sitting there. He asked the guy behind the counter. He says, do they come here every night? And the counterman said, yeah. So this guy said, well, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to come back tomorrow, and I'd like to throw a birthday party for Agnes. So the guy behind the counter smiles and said, okay. And he calls his wife from the back. She's the cook. She comes out of the back room. The writer says, all bright and smiley. That's wonderful. Agnes is one of those people who's really nice, but no one ever does anything for her. So the writer says, look, if it's okay with you, I'll be back here tomorrow at 2.30 and I'll decorate the plates. I'll even get a birthday cake. And Harry, the guy behind the counter says, no, birthday cake's my deal. I'll take care of the birthday cake. Fine. At 2.30 the next morning, I was back in the diner with crepe paper decorations and big pieces of cardboard that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated that diner from one end to the other. I had it looking good. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me, the writer says. Uh, at 3.30, 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swings open, and in came Agnes and her friends. I had everybody ready. I was kind of the MC. When they came in, we all screamed, Happy Birthday! Never have I seen someone so flabbergasted, so stunned. Her mouth fell open. Her legs buckled. Her friend get, grabbed her arm to steady her. As she was being led to sit on one of the stools, we all sang Happy Birthday to her. When we came to the end of our singing, happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her eyes moistened, and when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she just lost it and cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, blow out the candles, Agnes, come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to blow them out. And after a few seconds, he did. Then he handed her the knife and said, cut the cake, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked at the cake, then without ever taking her eyes off of it, she slowly and softly said, look, Harry, is it okay with you if I keep the cake for a little while? It's all right if we don't eat it right away. Harry shrugged and said, sure, okay with me. You want to keep the cake? Keep the cake. Take it home if you want to. And she says, can I? Then looking at me, she said, I just live down the street a couple of doors. I'll take the cake home and I'll be right back. I promise. She took off, picked up the cake, carried it like it was the Holy Grail and walked towards the door. We just stood there motionless. When the door closed, the writer says, there was this stunned silence in the place, not knowing what else to do because after all, it's wall-to-wall prostitutes in this Christian Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems really strange to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But at that moment, it just felt like the right thing to do. He said, I prayed for Agnes for her salvation. I prayed her life would be changed and God would be good to her. When I finished, Harry leaned over the counter with a trace of hostility in his voice. He said, hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? The writer says, in one of those moments when just the right words came, I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment, and he's like, no, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was a church like that, I'd join it. And that's the purpose of the story, is wouldn't we all? 
Don't you want to be a part of a church that makes a difference in people's lives? I don't know where we got this this other one. Jesus came to create a church like that. We've got this prim and proper one. If you don't dress, smell, act, sound like I think you should, then you aren't welcome here. Sometimes I wonder if Jesus, actually I don't even wonder. I know Jesus wouldn't be welcome in some of our churches. Because when you read the New Testament, you see that Jesus poured out grace on all kinds of unlovely people. The outcasts. He attended parties with tax collectors and sinners. He hung out with prostitutes. The lepers of society, the outcasts. I mean, literally, they had to scream out, unclean. They couldn't come near anyone. Unclean, unclean. Jesus walked right up to them. Touched them and held them and healed them. That prostitute in Honolulu bumped into a Christian at 3.30 one night. And what spilled out was grace. And and can I tell you that what spills out of most Christians I know When you bump into somebody not like you, somebody you disapprove of, it's not grace. And it's not pretty. And it actually puts a stumbling block up that keeps people from coming to know Jesus. We're the temple. We together are the temple of God. And don't you you destroy the temple of God. Grace changes us. And if you've not been changed, then I don't think you've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. When most people understand grace, they're never the same. Something shifts on the inside and they go, now I get it. I once was blind, but now I see. And I want to spend the rest of my life helping other blind people see the truth of Jesus Christ. Where most churches fail is that we get people to understand grace for them and then that's it grace is all about others we've got a lifetime to understand the fullness of god's grace and we're going to come back to this in a few weeks but i just felt like the lord really wanted me to tell you this one of my favorite stories in the old testament is when um david has a census of his fighting men and we'll we'll look at this in the spiritual warfare series but it's against God's law. And, and even, even his wicked commander, who's not a very good God person, says, do not do this thing. Do not number the people in the army. Well, he does. And, and so God um, gives him choices. He said, you can have famine, you can have war, or you can have the angel of the Lord. And so David says, I want to take the angel of the Lord. He says, I'll, I'll put my, my future into your hands. And so the angel of the Lord actually carries a sword. It's the angel of death. And, and he comes and he's, he, he kills 70,000 Israelites because of David's sin. And we'll talk more about that, why that was such a horrible sin. But as, as David comes up, he sees the angel of the Lord over the threshing floor of a guy named Aruna. And uh, Aruna, it's really cool because he just keeps on threshing wheat. You know, his sons see it and he runs off and Aruna just keeps threshing, right? So King David comes up and he says, he says, I want to buy this threshing floor from you because I need to build an altar here. And, and not coincidentally, this is where it is the exact spot. It's Mount Moriah. It's where, where uh, Abraham offered Isaac. It's where later the, the temple would be built. So the Temple Mount, when we go to Israel, it's where all of that is. And he says, I want to buy the threshing floor. And, and King Ar- uh, and, and Aruna, he's a great guy. And he's like, oh, King, just take whatever you have. I've got everything you need for a sacrifice. And he says, here's, here's what I want you to hear. David says, oh, no. Uh, go ahead and put that verse up there. Did I put it in there? Yeah. He says, I will not offer anything to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. The reason I tell you this at the end of this sermon 
is because here's what I believe the, the little tagline should be on modern Christians. Contemporary Christians, I will only offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I shouldn't have to spend money on the kingdom of God. I shouldn't have to take time off work to go do anything for the kingdom of God. I will only offer to the Lord that which costs me zip. And that's why we don't see the power of God working in our churches. Because when we get this right and we only offer to him things that cost us, God says, there's someone I can trust. There's someone I can build upon. Grace, if you understand grace, it costs you. And so when we're talking about going back to, to Lake Charles, maybe in December, I don't even know yet. Or, or definitely, if we don't go in December, we're definitely going in, in March. And Carlene said, why can't we go both? Well, I'd love to go both. It's going to cost you something to go. Have you figured out that grace costs you? But I'm going to tell you, the people who went, we had a fantastic time. Didn't want to leave. We, uh, you saw where they were doing the, they were acting out the verse. That's where we ate. Didn't tell you about that, did I? Preston. I was going to show that, but that's all right. We had a blast, and, and we have a bond now because we went and we shared grace. And I told the group then, I said, I'm praying that God will ignite a fire in New Life Community Church to go and to serve and to do things that are radical for the kingdom of God. And I'm praying that, that before my time is up on this planet or at this church, whichever comes first, that 90% of new lifers have gone on a mission trip. Because if you want to know a first-timer's attitude, Rebecca told us this in, in uh, our group meeting. She said, I get it now. And then she actually posted it on, on Facebook. She said, I understand now why you go and why you serve. It makes a difference in you and in the kingdom. Because Jesus said, you know, and, and I get this, I hear this. So you say something, you know, about the church or what we're doing, it's, it's eventually going to get to me. And people all the time say, why waste money going to Israel? Why waste money? Just remember that Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to a child in his name, it is not wasted. And I'm going to remind you again that, that Judas was called the son of perdition, which means the son of waste. Remember when, when the lady poured the oil on his feet? He said, why this waste? Jesus turns around later and said, that man wasted his life, and he's burning in the pit of hell today because he dared to contradict his Lord. And the Lord said, anything you sacrifice in my name is not wasted. So be very careful when you say, why are we wasting money going to Israel? Why are we wasting money? We're going because the Lord has called us to go. And my prayer is that some of you will say, Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, yes, Lord, I'll go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. That grace thing, Lord, gets me every time. And, and I wish we would be the type of church that it was regular for us to throw birthday parties for prostitutes. I wish we had that reputation, that we will spend whatever it takes. We will go wherever you call us to go. We will sacrifice so that people can come to Christ. God, make us into that church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have two baskets in the back. One is our joy basket. That's how we give here at New Life. Uh, or you can give online, nlccp.com. Um, the uh, other basket is our registration card basket. If you have prayer concerns, write that on the back. There, there are a group of us that pray. And if you say it's okay to share, I will share those prayer concerns with our group. And, uh, and we'll pray for you.
Stand up, hug four people, tell them you love them, get out of here.